Welcome back to another installment of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. It's passed down as a prophecy every year about this time. Our host for today's episode is Nathan Oblack. Hello and welcome to the podcast for cultural reformation. I'm Nathan Oblack and I'm once again joined by Dr. Joe Boot and Ryan Aris. And our topic for today's discussion is the myth of neutrality and science. So I'm sure we've all heard some variation of this kind of sentiment over the past uh, several months, uh, and it goes something like this. You keep talking about government overreach and your liberties being restricted, but I choose to follow the science and the medical experts. With that being said, uh, what we hope to talk about today uh, is what some medical experts have expressed in a document that was released in early October called the Barrington Declaration. The declaration advocates an alternative risk-based approach to COVID-19 that involves what they call focus protection of those most at risk, uh, and it seeks to avoid or minimize the societal harm of the COVID-19 lockdowns. So really, in other words, uh, they propose that countries should be avoiding these stay-at-home orders, lockdowns, restrictions, uh, avoid all of these and instead focus on prevention measures for those individuals that are at risk. So this declaration, it was authored by Sinetra Gupta of the University of Oxford, Jay Bhattacharya of Stanford University, and Martin Kuldorf of Harvard University. Uh, This declaration, uh, it now has tens of thousands of signatures for medical professionals all around the world. So just to get our discussion going, how do we reconcile all of this? We're told by the media, uh, the World Health Organization, our Prime Minister, our Premier in Ontario, and all of the uh, of their medical experts are saying that the solution to COVID-19 is to physically distance ourselves, limit social interaction to those in our immediate family, wear masks, and in many cases, um, even recently uh, over the weekend in England, Wales, we know about France, Uh, the city of Toronto, other regions here in Ontario. Uh, We need to close the restaurants, close the gyms, close the theaters, and more. Uh, But then we have other, yeah, that's right, yes, yeah. And we were just discussing the fact that, uh, you know, churches are being closed in England as well. Uh, You know, so we're hearing from from, uh, other medical experts, however, uh, these supporters of the Barrington Declaration, Uh, that there's a completely different message here, that all of this is foolishness um, and that this is not going to uh, be a viable solution. So with these different messages that we're hearing out there, uh, what exactly is happening here? Well, how long have we got? (laughs) It's a pretty... (laughs) <laughs> pretty comprehensive introduction to the uh, to the issues. It was encouraging to see the Barrington Declaration uh, some weeks back emerge, and uh, the very much uh, highly respected professionals in their field behind it, and the signatures, uh, many tens of thousands now of medical professionals and people involved in medicine, as well as uh, lay people now around the world who who have signed it. But for the most part, it has been uh, ignored, uh, or at least uh, set aside, overlooked, 
And, you know, at one point it was pretty difficult to even find on Google. I think there was a, um, an attempt for, for a period to suppress its circulation. And that alerts us to something. And the way people speak about these things alerts us to something that there's more going on here than just a question of um, the science or bare facts. And um, I think where we can start with a conversation like this is to recognize that human beings require of necessity, inescapably, a concept of authority. That authority may be placed in the party, uh, as in the communist world. It might be in the uh, popular opinion, so it might be in the um, the mob, it might be in the state, state absolutism, it might be in the experts in the in the so in the sciences. But one way or another, human beings uh, need inescapably a principle of authority they have to trust in some kind of authority or another. And so the very simple question is, what is going to be our ultimate source of authority? Is it going to be God and his word and what he has spoken to us in Christ, what he has revealed in the scriptures, or is it going to be something else? And there have been lots of pretenders to the authority of God, but when uh, people deny God, they do not. They are not simply... Um, uh, getting rid in the denial of God of authority. They are transferring the concept of ultimate authority from God to man in some form or another. And that's typically been, uh, in the West anyway, uh, uh, an increasingly all-powerful state or a cadre of experts, intellectuals, who frequently are in are involved in running that state. So a technocracy of one sort or another um, and uh, these are terrifying um, bases for authority. So what's actually uh, going on is people are making their, uh, their choice. They're, they're making a religious choice um, when they decide uh, how they're going to respond to the current situation. It is not a question of Let's look at these graphs and the number of cases and, and the mortality rate and the um, transmission rates and so forth. And we will therefore, the science has dictated the following uh, uh, social action. Nonsense. Uh, that's, you're looking at graphs. You're looking at data. Data itself has to be interpreted. And it's going to be interpreted in terms of a, um, an overarching perspective. Uh, data isn't interpreted in a vacuum. It's going to be interpreted in terms of ultimate assumptions about the the nature of human life, the nature of human health, the nature of viruses, and so on. So trust in science is not itself scientific, Nathan. That's what I'm saying. To say I'm going to trust the science, uh, that's not a scientific statement. That's a, a worldview statement. That's That's a statement of belief. That's a statement of faith. I'm going to trust the science. Whose science? Which science? Uh, and is it just the science of the majority? Is it the science of the minority? Uh, is it the science of the experts? Is it the science of the armchair scientist? Uh, there isn't some monolithic voice called science speeding out of a white lab coat into our culture saying, thou shalt do this, the science says so, as much as Joe Biden would like to think that's the way reality works. Um, it doesn't. 
And uh, in fact, um, one of the great uh, philosophers of science, Karl Popper, actually said this. Um, he said, since all arguments must proceed from assumptions, it is plainly impossible to demand that all assumptions should be based on arguments. It's a bit of a headbender. Let me say that again. Since all arguments must proceed from assumptions, it is plainly impossible to demand that all assumptions should be based on arguments. So this is about a the, the response to all of this. At the root of it is the question of authority. Where does ultimate authority lie? And uh, a, a choice of a, a faith commitment to where you are going to uh, place the source um, of authority in your own life. There is no neutral science. There is no declaration um, of science, as it were. So, Joe, coming at, uh, coming at that question of or the impossibility of neutrality, we're Christians here. Uh, I don't know if anybody needed to be told that, but to, uh, to use your phrase, you've been talking a lot about thinking Christianly, uh, which is to say not just thinking about sort of traditionally conceived Christian things like the church or baptism or sanctification, but thinking in a consistently Christian way about everything and anything in the world. This, uh, this Barrington Declaration, th this is not a Christian document. It, it actually contains, I was going through it, it contains some of these uh, sort of tug-of-war words that Christians and secularists uh, fight over, like justice and compassion and these kinds of things that get invested with wildly different meanings. But uh, all the same, the, uh, the, the question in all of that is, on what basis does a Christian uh, support or sign or stand alongside something like this declaration? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a pretty far-reaching and searching question as well. Um, there, are, uh, there are a number of factors that, uh, that come into play. I think that we, um, in in a context where, as you say, I mean, in this sense, you could have, this this thing could have been crafted by Christian doctors. I think I don't mm. think they are. Um, uh, at least one of them is avowedly not right. And uh, you could you could have had a statement of a different nature crafted by Christians that contradicted the the the, the Barrington declaration or at least people who profess a Christian world and life view. Um, so it's not a it's not a simple thing to evaluate all of these things and say, well, how do I um think Christianly about them? I think what we're looking for as believers when we're trying to evaluate and assess the the views of um experts in their field and what they are wanting to prescribe for um society is first a, a considerable dose of humility, at least a modicum of humility. Because one of the challenges is that um, just because somebody has a an expertise in a given area, let's say epidemiology or um, computer modeling uh, or the transmission of um, viral disease, et cetera, et cetera, various sub subfields within the within this whole realm of medicine 
doesn't mean that that, that makes them an authority on how to handle the economy, um, how to uh, understand emotional health, spiritual health, and all of these other areas. So I think what we're looking for in, in assessing something like this is um, how uh, does the how does this proposal, how does this declaration take into account the givenness of creation? Because that's what Christians are concerned with. See, the rationalistic uh, tradition in thinking, the uh, the deconstructionist or and and then socially constructive, uh, socially constructionist view, I should say, of reality that Christians are up against today basically conceives of reality as, before we come to it, a chaos. Um, and now if I can be a little bit heady for, for just a moment for our listeners, and they can tolerate one quote from um, Herman Doyerverd. That's um, a bigger book than last week. It's even thicker than last week. This is actually from his new critique of theoretical thought. And he says, the theoretical cosmos... Uh, on this standpoint, he's talking about the rationalistic standpoint, that's that's the cosmos as we conceive of it, is really the creation of philosophic thought. The latter must first of all demolish met- uh, methodically everything atheoretical, leaving a chaotic material of consciousness which is to be ordered as a cosmos in the creative forms of philosophic thought. And what he's saying is, the uh the the non-believer certainly those rationalistic uh and uh, deconstructionist constructivist thinking um sort of ultra rationalism what they're really wanting to do is is reduce the givenness of the world to a total chaos of of what Cornelius van Til would have called brute factuality and then reconstruct it in terms of our own philosophical idea in terms of our own philosophical thought and um, uh, Doyerverd then goes on to attack the neutrality postulate, uh, the idea that um, th- that this this sort of reducing the world to a chaos to be constructed by us is neut- is neutral. That that that's the neutral approach. And so, what Christians should always be looking for in assessing these kinds of things: Do I sign? Do I not sign? is how much of an abstract thought experiment is this by a collection of intellectuals and computer modelers? And how much of this is actually trying to meaningfully grapple with the real world? And what I liked about the Barrington Declaration is that as Nathan, as you pointed out in the early part of our discussion, it's dealing with the whole picture. It's talking about people's emotional health, people's mental health, the economy, the screening of people for other diseases, people, children missing vaccinations, the the, the devastation to young people, to students, uh, that when you look at the, the the big picture, you see that the for them, the cure is worse than the disease. And I think that that comports very well. So even though it's not been drafted, Ryan, as you say, by avowed Christians, they're actually coming at the issue from a decidedly Christian perspective that there's a givenness to the world. It's not, it can't be deconstructed and reconstructed by my abstract thought and my abstract thought experiments. Um, you cannot just take one element of life, the biotic element of life, and say that is now the only thing we're going to deal with and we're going we're gonna to reorder society in terms of the avoidance of all viral material and think that that is an answer. And, and the most devastating things that have ever happened in history have been when when intellectuals when people have tried to 
create these abstractions, deal with people and human society in the abstract, and then impose their order on it. So this is why this is important. You look at the current situation. We are dealing unequivocally with the greatest right now infringement on human liberties and freedoms that we have ever seen by a technocratic state, basically, by a state that now has tools at its disposal for controlling you that it's never had before. We've never seen the shutdown of the churches like this, of business sites, not in wartime, not in times of plague, ever. What's changed? Was it that before we weren't listening to the science? We weren't listening to the science. No, what's changed is the world and life view by which we look at the data by which we look at the so-called science. So we have a different set of priorities. Um, We don't look in in this holistic way now at the uh, the issues. And instead, we're faced with politicians across the West where there's a kind of convergent opportunism now. So I'm going to avoid the word conspiracy, but I'm going to call it a, a, a convergent opportunism, which now looks, is now seems to be politically exploiting this situation for all it's worth to impose a new vision of society uh, upon Western culture in particular. Um, and so politicians from around the West seeing seizing upon this situation of the spread of a virus to begin to reorder things. And I see the Barrington Declaration as pushing back against that. And that's why I signed it, Ryan. And that's why I think Christians can sign it. And I think we can assess it in those terms. Like anything else, and I think Nathan said this at the beginning, you know, how does this tie into, how closely linked is, is this with the assumptions of a Christian world and life view? Mm. And this is just in support of everything you've just said. And also uh, what you said earlier, that it's not really science that is guiding people here. It's people's religious or philosophical choice that's guiding how they're responding to this this crisis. Uh, So Francis Schaeffer in the 70s was uh, visiting the United States and found himself in the back of a cab with R.C. Sproul. And uh, R.C. Sproul has um, documented that uh, conversation. And uh, what R.C. Sproul recounts uh, is that he had asked uh, Francis Schaeffer, what, what is his biggest concern Uh, for the future of the church in America. And without hesitation, Dr. Schaefer turned to R.C. Sproul and spoke one word, statism. And R.C. Sproul goes on to uh, recount that Schaefer's biggest concern at that point in his life was that the citizens of the United States were beginning to invest their country with supreme authority, such that the free nation of America would become one that would be dominated by a philosophy of the supremacy of the state. Um, and I think that's really, in, in what you've said earlier, that's what we're seeing here. That's what's lying at the root of choosing one particular kind of science, and that's the kind of science that we hear propagated by the state. And I wonder, Joe, if you could comment on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is the essence of the meaning of technocracy. And I know that Schaefer, all those years ago, was, was deeply concerned about it. It's when a certain brand of science aligns itself with the state. And this is not the only illustration, of course, because we've got uh, euthanasia in Canada right now. We've got the, the, the MAID issue, the, the attempt to expand medical assistance in dying. 
You've got uh, abortion, of course. You've got um, transgenderism. I mean, who would have thought that um, that that an abstract queer theory could could so impact and begin to transform the medical sciences? Uh, an anti-scientific ideology that then starts to dictate how society functions, because this kind of a science, in inverted commas, aligns itself with the power state. So this is what uh, fundamentally uh, technocracy is, and it of course needs the uh, the power, the force of the state to be able to implement its ideas. Um, and let's remember, let's just go back to that thought as we uh, attack this idea of neutrality. Um, trust in reason, the reason of the state or the reason of the technocrat, um, is not itself reasonable. Right? That's not a deliverance of reason, of human understanding. It's a religious choice as to where you place your trust. Are we going to place our trust ultimately in Christ and his word? Or do we place our trust in the uh, so-called neutral reasoning of um, experts and uh, status planners, social planners, the, the, the scientific socialist elite, as it were? Um, and you can see how our position, the Christian position, is so offensive. Because our position is there is a givenness to reality, which actually all of our thinking activity and all our science already presupposes. I mean, there's the irony. It's the you can't have uh, reason and science without the givenness, the orderedness, the structures that God has established for created reality. But if there is a givenness to it, and and that. And our reasoning is normed. Our thinking has to be normed by a standard that transcends us. What happens to the autonomy of reason? What happens to the neutrality postulate if, in fact, you are bound by a normative structure, even in your thinking? Of course, it's blown up. It goes out the window. And this is why the, it's the Christian position that is attacked uh, that's why it's the Christian position that's hated, or anything that smacks of it, anything that smells like it. And the Barrington Declaration smells like the Christian world and life view to me. Right? It's deep. It's been profoundly influenced, at least, by it, um, whether consciously or unconsciously. Um, but this is fundamentally the question, and it's the question that Christians have to face. Where does your faith actually lie? We're looking at these un historically unprecedented measures for a virus that 99.9 or so percent of people survive if they get it. Unprecedented transformation because of what the experts so-called are saying. And the, as you say, the approved experts are the ones who get the airtime and the airplay. And it's, it, it, it's in this alliance that Schaefer was concerned about. It's in this alliance of the so-called expert and the power state that we've always seen historically the most terrifying social and um, political outcomes. Um, we only have to look back at the, the Marxist states, the Nazi state, uh, to see what um, uh, technocratic uh, government in the end looks like. And it always claims science. I don't know whether you've noticed that even in the, uh, the US election right now, you know, uh, it's very evident the one party claims to be on the side of science. We don't deny the science, the science of climate change, that political gas called carbon dioxide. And now it's the science of the virus. We don't deny the science, and you're a science denier if you don't go along with the political status quo. 
and uh, it's like your the, the language they're deliberately used in reference to the Holocaust. It's like the, you are you are trying to destroy humanity because you are denying the science of the modern state. So it's an intimidating and 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 very difficult space to live in for Christians right now. So Joe, you've uh, you've laid out a pretty good case here for pushing back against the experts, understanding that this sort of expertise in one area doesn't uh, doesn't immediately qualify somebody to be or to be dictating policy in other areas. You're telling huge populations how they ought to be living their entire lives. Well and good, but uh, I mean, here we are. Here you are reading from. Herman Doyover of all of all people, um, uh, as a as a Christian intellectual, as a Christian philosopher, wh- how maybe just uh, lay out the case? How does how does Christianity avoid the uh, the charge of some kind of reductionism or just a different branch, a different stream of intellectualism? That's a great question, Ryan. I think it could appear, couldn't it, that here we are. Uh, sat on a uh, on a branch that we're soaring off. Uh, here we are, sort of pontificating as as a think t- a Christian think tank and worldview training organization, um, uh, attacking experts and intellectuals, but only in the name of our own, you know, so called expertise or uh, or um, intellectual stance. And uh, it's it's a valid question. I think the core issue is this for us as believers. Um, we are not claiming to deconstruct reality and reconstruct it in terms of our idea. For us, reality is a given because it's the creation of God himself. It's the creation of the Lord Jesus Christ who sustains it all. From him, through him, and to him are all things, Romans eleven thirty six. Then, of course, you've got Colossians 1, which talks about Christ holding all things together by the word of his power. So the Christian thinker must always be thinking in self-conscious submission to the word of God. We don't sit as, or we should not sit as experts. Now, we may have a degree of proficiency in a given subject. Hopefully, over the years, I've gained some degree of proficiency in um, Christian apologetics, cultural apologetics, a bit of Christian philosophy. But I don't sit here as an expert saying, listen, in terms of my ideas, in terms of neutral reason and science, I've studied reality sufficiently to know that uh, uh, my model is better than everybody else's and should be imposed on the masses. It goes back to where we uh, talked earlier about this question of authority. Do we start with God, with Christ, or are we going to transfer that authority somewhere else? And our position is inherently non-reductionist. We talk about this a lot, I know, but we could just explain that for a moment. What we mean by that is that because for us, every part of created reality, every uh, uh, aspect of created reality, every entity in created reality is every moment dependent upon the sustaining power of the word of God, both as a whole and in the discernible parts of reality. There's an absolute dependence. So we do not reduce reality. We cannot reduce reality to a dependence, a dependency relationship upon any 
aspect of reality itself or any entity within creation itself, whether that be experts or the state or uh, in the in the area of social institutions, or whether that be the uh, numbers or logic or reasoning or matter and energy in terms of the entities or uh, uh, structures within uh, creation. We do not find the origin or source of meaning in any of those things. They are all equally dependent upon God. So we do not. So reductionism, as we find it in human thought, is always the attempt to find a resting point, a starting point within the realm of meaning itself, that is within the realm of creation, that we then abstract out and lift out and say, hey, look, this is it, the logical part of creation. That's the source and origin of everything. We can rebuild reality or no language, the the lingual aspect, that's the source and root of all meaning uh, in reality. Or no, look at the physical aspect or or the biotic aspect. No, that's the source and root. That's the explainer for reality. We say no. The Christian says no. There is no explainer for reality in the created cosmos. It transcends it in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ which is why we can never, whilst we, whilst we uh, respect doctors, uh, um, philosophers, uh, professionals in different fields who have studied hard in a given area, and it's perfectly possible for a non-Christian who doesn't have a non-reductionist Christian world and life view to, to look at, let's say, the, the, um, uh, the physical or biotic aspect of reality look at viruses, study viruses really hard, come to a fairly detailed understanding of how viruses behave and take notes and take seriously their conclusions of what they've studied. What we can't then do though, because they may have had an isolated area of a a skill in this particular area, then say that the way they understand that biotic aspect of creation in relationship to all the rest makes them clear-sighted now in how to think about that aspect in relationship to our economic lives, our educational lives, our family lives, the life of the state, law, all these different things. Um, Because all of those experts are captive to their own world and life view and philosophy of reality. And that's going to dictate how they deploy their knowledge, how they utilize that knowledge. Let me wrap it up with this um, quote, and uh, it's um, slightly embarrassing to quote myself, um, but um, this is a, this is a, just something I, I pulled out of my uh, recent article, fairly recent article called The Cult of the Expert, which if people haven't read it, can we recommend that they go to our website and um, read The Cult of the Expert? Uh, they can just search it there. It was a couple of months ago. And um, uh, in it, I... I I come to the root of this problem. Uh, I'm quoting now. One of the besetting sins of professional intellectuals as a class is believing that because they have a particular depth of knowledge or superior ability in a given area, they can then generalize their narrow knowledge and ability into the notion of their own superior wisdom and judgment for life in general. Frequently disregarding the everyday, non-theoretical and mundane knowledge of ordinary people in the real world, Central social planning is then taken on by the experts, a particular kind of intellectual, as part of a broader intelligentsia who believe they alone are qualified to guide society. As Thomas Sowell has rightly pointed out, 
Intellectuals have seen themselves not simply as an elite, in the passive sense in which large landowners, rentiers, or holders of various sinecures might qualify as elites, but as an anointed elite, people with a mission to lead others in one way or another towards better lives, end quote. And that's the thing that we have to be concerned about. Uh, are such people, such bureaucrats, such round tables of, of scientists and professionals qualified to lead us to better lives in the name of their expertise in a given area? And that's the issue because they're not neutral. If they're not submitted to Christ, they've transferred ultimate authority somewhere else and generally to their own thinking. And that is what leads us into the into incredible danger as a society as a society. It's what Francis Schaeffer feared. It's certainly what C.S. Lewis feared uh, when he wrote about technocracy and the welfare state. Great. Well, thanks so much for that, Joe. And uh, Joe, Ryan, uh, thank you for this conversation. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. So thank you again to our listeners for tuning in to another podcast for Cultural Reformation. We encourage you to check out all of our previous podcasts, as well as our books, online lectures, debates, and information on all of our various residential training programs. It's all on our website at ezrainstitute.ca. And we hope you will join us again next week for another Worldview Wednesday. It's passed down as a prophecy Every year about this time